welcome to Comics on Trial, the show that puts two members of the Comics in Motion family in a geek battle. Each week, one person will defend an unpopular opinion, and the other, representing the common consensus, will prosecute the case in the court of public opinion. Today, we're putting Ghostbusters, the movie, uh, in the dock and representing the prosecution. We have the one, the only, Chris Phelps. How are you doing, Chris? Thank you, Your Honour. And I may say it's lovely to meet you, and I am a big fan of your podcast and your work. So thank you for um, presiding over this today. Oh, you're so modest, but you're not going to sway me like that. (laughs) 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 And... In the other corner and representing the defence, we have the man, the myth, the legend. It is Scott Worley. How are you doing? Hello. Welcome. Thank you very much, Judge. I, I like that introduction, but my God, Chris, could you suck up any more than that? Could you? <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you don't know how much oh of a defence I've probably got. Well, so, this, uh, yeah. we'll see. Like, that was it. Was... <laughs> <laughs> so always, you know, at the end of the day, the Right Honourable Daniel Belgrave is the judge for today, he and is. you've got to respect the judge. He's the, the guy. I, and I have to say, unlike Trump, I will you know if the decision does not go my way, I will happily concede, and uh, you know we'll fight on and we'll leave it to the poll and for the uh, the popular vote to decide. Exactly, yeah, and and hope hopefully whoever wins or loses. We won't react like Mr. Tony Farina, who absolutely went mental and has never forgiven <laughs> some of these decisions. And Max Byrne as well. Max was not happy. He he had victory clawed away because he thought he'd won when he went on with Dave. Is it Batman v Superman? Mm. And uh, he lost. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see on that. Yeah. So this is going to be a good one. So we might as well get right into it. So I want a nice clean fight. Nothing below the belt. All right. So this is Chris, this is Chris Phelps you're talking to. You know, don't you? <laughs> There's not much below my belt anyway. So oh dear, oh dear. Now, now. Right. Yeah. So, Mr. Phelps, if you will please step forward and provide your opening statement. Thank you, Your Honour. Um, so, Ghostbusters. I'm going to set a picture for both of you here. Um, I grew up loving this movie, and I mean loving it. It was on a an absolute uh, reel of VHSs I used to watch when he used to go to my nans, and we were spent loads of the summer holidays there. So I used to have Superman 2, my favourite Superman movie. Um, Superman 2, we had James Bond on, Star Wars, you know, Empire Strikes Back, things like that. All VHSs we recorded off TV, and Ghostbusters. Now, Ghostbusters has a place in my heart uh, or it did, or it does, we'll see. Uh, because when my sister was born, my mum tells a great story that she was in labour in Manchester and my sister Lois was being born and she's pushing and gassing air and everything. And what's playing full blast in hospital? Mr. Ray Park Jr. I don't believe in no ghost. And she hates that song. So my dad bought it on purpose and used to play it periodically for her. Um, but it's a song that... We grew up like loving, and I loved the films. I loved the cartoons. Grew up, Peter Venkman was like a hero of mine. The whole idea of Ghostbusters, like, even like the second one. Now, at Christmas, I went to New York, and I've put pictures in our, some of our groups and on my YouTube channel. There was a vlogs there. I went outside the Ghostbusters firehouse and had plenty of pictures, and it was great. You've got the picture of the, the Ghostbusters logo there and everything. Fantastic. 
Now, I would never be sat here, Your Honour, attempting to slate this movie. However, on the Comics in Motion TV and Movie Review podcast, myself and my uh, partner, Mr. David Horrocks, reviewed Ghostbusters. And, you know, sometimes they say, don't go back and look at your heroes. And Peter Venkman, for me, was my idol. And when I watched it again... Peter Venkman is nowhere... Well, he's pretty much on the same level as Jimmy Savile. Now, (laughs) it ruins the whole film because you have to have a hero. You have to have someone who you believe in. No matter how old the film is, he is the man. Peter Venkman's going around drugging people, injuring people in experiments just to get his leg over with girls who are, you know, questionable whether they are, you know, what age they're at. You know, he is... A predator. We've seen it. You know, these people over the years, Fred the Weatherman, Stuart Hall, he's in them sort of thingies. I'm sorry, but I can't accept that this man is a hero, Scott. And I know you love the movie. And I remember dropping my foot in it. I was telling Dan just before we started about your love for Ghostbusters, which I didn't realise when I was slacking it off uh, when we first met (laughs) and your love for it. So um, my case is this, and this is where I'm putting my flag in the sand. Ghostbusters was a movie I loved. However, in 2020, it has aged horribly when its main protagonist, who is supposed to be a hero, and I love Bill Murray, Groundhog Day and stuff like that, um, is an absolute sex pest predator. Now, Scott, it hasn't aged well for me, and I think it's an abomination of a movie now when I watch it because I can't get past that. And not because I'm trying to be Mr. Me Too movement at all, but just watching it, I just find him... An arse, basically. Whereas when I was a kid, he was the man. And the, I even had the figure, Peter Venkman. Now, I'm out. So, Scott, and your honour, that is my defence for today. Not the movie itself. It's Peter Venkman ruins the movie. Okay. Mr. So, Phelps. Mr. Mr. Phelps. That's <gasps> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Weatherly. Let's see what you got. Step forward Thank and you, make your right. opening statement. I, I too... I too want to want to lay out a little story for you both, and it's similar to Chris's very much so. I I can hearken back to uh, my childhood days, and I have a vivid memory of going to uh, our local video shop. Uh, and for those of a, a younger persuasion, that's a shop where you literally went and you bought a VHS cassette, or you rented a VHS cassette about the size of a letterbox. Um. And there was one in there, and there was the Ghostbusters logo, the No Ghost logo on the black background. And I vividly remember seeing that for the first time and being just amazed by what is that. After that film, I rented that film then. I must have been six or seven, and I rented that film whenever I could until eventually having it on VHS. And then I watched it on VHS, and then I got it on DVD, and then I got the special edition DVDs, and then I got them on Blu-ray. And I, this film has been in heavy rotation for me since that childhood. And talking with people like uh, Mike, who does the Genuine Chit Chat and the uh, Star Wars in Canon uh, podcast, his love of Star Wars, I've realised this today, his love of Star Wars is akin to my love of Ghostbusters. When you hear of these really passionate um, Star Wars fans, and they say, oh, the the, you know, the sound of the Millennium Falcon or the sound of a TIE fighter or the sound of uh, a lightsaber activating, you know, that, that ignites a nostalgia and a love and an excitement for them is the same way as 
Ecto-1's uh, siren excites me or the sound of the uh, proton packs being switched on. That, that to me, is like they, they trigger something in me. And I will admit to what Chris is saying. There is an element of this film that hasn't aged well. In fact, I'll go one further. I'll say that there are parts of this film that you know don't don't work at all in 2020, and it's not just what Chris is saying. But the thing I will say is, from my perspective, having watched this as a child, I agree. To me, Peter Venkman was the man. He was the person. He was the one I used to sort of like, as you say, admire and look up to. And as you get older, you realise. When I was a kid, I was the Peter Venkman admirer. But you do, you learn and you realise. And now I look to like Ray Stantz or Egon Spengler and see they're the people that you should really be admiring. So, Chris, I'm going to defend many things in this, but really I can I can see what you're saying. I just think there is more to this film. Um, and I'm going to lay out a proper defence that in a moment. But, Your Honour, uh, I'm going to hand back to Chris just to see what he has to say. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Weverly, I appreciate that. And thank you, Your Honour, for listening to that. Now, that sounded like a lot of words, Scott, and not a lot of content there. Now, I appreciate the story, like myself. We both were in that same era. You know, we're, we're almost the same age. Um, unfortunately, I'm slightly older. So, you know, with it becomes more experience and stuff. Now, I will say that for me, watching it again, I had admiration for Dan Aykroyd, especially as this was his baby, and, and John Belushi was originally supposed to be Peter Venkman, wasn't he? He was supposed in, to be in a, in a, in a way. Murray. It was ever. Yeah, it wasn't really yes. Peter Venkman, but there was a character that was. It was supposed to just be Aykroyd and John Belushi. Yeah. Yeah, and and the shoe on John Belushi and as Slimer, I believe, as a as a mm -hmm. nod to him, I believe. So, um, I'll give him that. What I would say is, I think I take on board what you're saying. I take on board exactly like a lot of films from the 80s don't age very well. We've done some recently. I must admit, E.T. I've never really seen. I watched it. I loved it. I thought I'd hate it, and I didn't. I loved it. A lot of the 80s stuff that I review every week, we just you, you think, oh my word, I used to love this. And uh, for an example, we've just done it's a 90s. We've just done Under Siege. Never really liked it. Hate it even more yeah. now. And that's going to be out soon. Steven Seagal is definitely on the same list as Peter Venkman. Don't like the guy. I've read loads of stuff about him. So, so that's something that could sway me as the prosecution. What I would say is, Scott, you're, I think you're blinded by your love for Ghostbusters. A bit like I, I'll take a defeat, my love for smoking the bandit. A lot of people don't like Burt Reynolds. I understand that, but I will defend it to the death, that movie, just like you are with this. What I would say is Bill Murray is a, a brilliant actor, Saturday Night Live, absolute aficionado. He, he was there with all of them, and, and I, I give him that. But what I can't take is that when you watch it now, especially some of the special effects, I mean, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Scott, come on, it, the use shaving cream. All right, I just I'm going to jump in. Can, may I jump in, Chris? May I jump in? Of okay, course, let's, of course. let's start because let, let's get to the nub of the issue. Then let's really deal with the issue. Let's you, you know, Peter. Let's do, deal with a couple of things. So Peter Venkman. Peter Venkman is supposed to be a scumbag. There's some things you realise as you get older, and you know these things sort of come across. I'm I'm a big fan of Judge Dredd. Okay, big big fan. That he was one of the first sort of comic books I read as a kid. You know, when you see this iconic character, big shoulder pads, the helmet that never comes off, he's the he is the law, yeah. And as a kid, you go, yeah. wow, he's badass, man. He's exciting. He kicks ass, takes names. 
And as you grow older, you go, he's still quite exciting, but actually he's a tool of a fascist regime that sort of suppresses people and he kills wantingly. And you're a bit like, oh, well, yeah, but so, you know, there's a bit more to him than that. I feel that Peter Venkman's the same. Peter Venkman's deeper than people realise. Yes, he is a scumbag, and he's supposed to be a scumbag. All you've listed out, and I'll go one further on this, all you've listed out is the fact he's a sex pest. Yeah, he is. That opening scene of him sort of using his uh, power to try and get in with a co-ed is the first stage of him being a scumbag. More than that, though, he uses his wiles to um, get uh, Ray to get a more a third mortgage on his house, a 13% uh, interest rate. Um, he lies to police later on. Um, you know, he does all these things like, yeah, Peter Venkman is a scumbag. And it's, it's, he's never meant to be anything else. It's, it's told throughout, like, he's always tried to take the easy path. He's never been in the private sector. He's always been in academia. So the fact that he is all these things is sort of bit, the bit like, that's his story arc. The point of this is, when you first meet Peter Venkman, he is a scumbag. He does these things. And actually, when he first comes on to um, Dana Barrett, Sigourney Weaver, like he makes the, the Freudian slip, doesn't he? He says, you know, yeah, you look into that. I'll go back to her apartment and check and check her out. Or what I mean is, I'll go back and check out her apartment. And he sort of comes on to it. And it, it's all a bit much. By the end of this film, he has realised sort of some things. He is actually quite willing to put his life on the line. And he is, with the rest of them, putting his life on the line to save the woman that he has now loved. And so I think that, you know, you are looking at the first third of this film and looking at the Peter Venkman that uh, tries to seduce a co-ed and, you know, does those terrible things. And he is, and he, you know, it's not exactly a hero's journey. He's not Luke Skywalker. He's not, you know, Captain America. The point of this is, these are just four guys. They're just like, you know, when you look at them, you've got Peter Venkman, who's a bit of a scumbag. You've got Ray, who's just a big kid. And Egon, who's, if you were to judge him today, and I don't want to be disrespecting him, but he's clearly on the spectrum. Um, these are not, you know, they're, they're, um, they're outcasts. They're losers. They're sort of like the misfits. And that's sort of the point. And that, so in my point of view, I think that, yes, he is the scumbag. But the part of this film is about his redemption. Um, you know, each of the characters is a bit of an a bit of an arc, but his is the most pronounced. So to focus just on those points, and the other thing is, you say about him drugging someone, you're actually adding, and I think you know this may say more about you, Chris, than Peter Venkman. He never at any point actually <laughs> says, um, "I've actually I had th- uh, th- you know thirty cc's of or uh, three hundred cc's of uh, three hundred yeah, yeah. uh, of sorry in his pocket." And also, you've seen how sarcastic he is throughout the film. Like, he's clearly just taking the piss. And I think a lot gets read into that. Um, so, I don't know. I just find that that's, that's my first events of Peter Venkman, is he's a scumbag, yes, that actually shows redemption by the end of the film. But can I just interject yeah, there, sure. please, Your Honour? Uh, now, Scott, I'm actually the prosecution and you're the defence. Mm-hmm. Now, you have called the main character in this movie, and I'm counting a scumbag yep. at least 13 times in that, that um, <laughs> situation. Now, I'm going to quote something out of the movie here just to counter that, and this is from Mr. P. Venkman. I just whacked her up with 300 cc's of Thorazine. She's going to take a little nap now. Now, Scott, 
when you have a redemption thing, now you did compare Peter Venkman to Captain America. No, I said, he's, absolutely no, I said, I said he's no Captain America. It, I said, but yeah. it was almost Iron Man levels of Avengers. When Iron Man gets called out in the 2012 Avengers for not being one off the cap to you know take one for the team, he's not going to throw himself in front of the bus if it needs be. And we all find out that he does. Now, I don't think Mr. Venkman has anything redeemable about this movie uh, because yeah, you say the third of the movie, okay, fair enough. But the stuff that happens with Dana and that is a bit later on when she gets possessed. Mm-hmm. They understand he's trying to save himself because he's like, what the hell am I getting myself into? Um, but I just find it unsettling. The fact that he, he goes in for a kiss and tells her he loves her within the space of like the first real meeting at her apartment, he's just creepy. But what I'm saying is the movie itself falls down because it centers around Peter Venkman. And as you have said, and Your Honor, I hope you're making notes here, mm-hmm. Mr. Venkman is a, and I quote, scumbag. Yeah. Um, that's at the end but of the it, argument. No, and, and for not, me. Because here's the thing you're focusing on a single character. That, that, you know, that, that when this was made, the point of it is yeah, you know, it was Bill Murray is the headliner. Peter Venkman's not the only prime. It's a, it's, this is an ensemble piece. Even as a kid, I was like, I loved all four of them, you know. Yeah, granted, Ernie Hudson gets a bit of the shafting because he comes in much later. And, you know, granted, it get, hopefully it gets a bit picked up in two. But the original three, it's an ensemble piece. There are other... They are, they are literally... He's the first person you see, but within sort of four minutes of the first film, you've introduced to Ray, then you've introduced to Egon, and then you barely yes. get a scene where it's sort of like, you know, it doesn't... They get equal sort of screen time pretty much after that for the most part um so you're saying it centers around peter venkman i think you're the one you're focusing in on the one thing that you dislike the most however i would pull back and say yeah i've acknowledged that peter venkman in this film has an arc that's good storytelling to me he starts off as a character like he's just you know he's a bit of a con man he's, he's trying to get the sort of he, he wants the easy path i wouldn't get on with peter venkman nowadays but you've then got Ray, you've then got Egon, you then get uh, Winston, you've got uh, you know some of my favourite characters like Lois, Lewis Tully is wonderful, Rick Moranis is amazing. Um, yeah. And you want, I'll all, give you all that, you're yeah. sort of focused on is one, one aspect of an ensemble piece. Um, and that's but fine, also... but again, I'd say the last third of this film shows that You've seen Bill Murray as a, as a you know he's he's quick witted he's got you know he's a, he's the he's the mouth of the Ghostbusters raise the heart of the Ghostbusters Egon's the brains Pete's the you know is is the mouth is really sort of the point and he uses that to get them out of trouble and to set them up so they can actually save the day and he sort of puts himself like both he actually the point you say that you know about this three hundred sort of cc's of Thorazine he says it but you know he's sarcastic. You know, he's, you know, he's not going to be, you know, whatever he says, it probably doesn't mean anything. He's like, yeah, I've sedated her. But you, and you're, you're also suggesting that he did it out of his own pocket. Like, he found that in Dana Barrett's apartment. You don't know what, you don't know what habit she has. She's a, she's a musician. They go, cra- they do crazy stuff, <laughs> them people. As an ex-musician, you're probably right, actually, Scott. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that, yeah. Well, then. That's neither here Okay, no, no. <laughs> Yes, thank thank you very much, Your Honour. So, so what I would say is, what what I mean, right? For me personally, and I'm sure you were the same, Scott and Dan. If you, you watch Ghostbusters yourself, mm-hmm. anybody who watches that, Peter Venkman is the lead guy. I know when we watch it now, I, I quite like Ray. I like Dan Aykroyd in it. He, I think he's probably the best character, mm. the most redeemable one because he's a nice guy. But but when you have a character, and he may have an arc and, and all that stuff, and you know, you say like he comes good at the end and that. 
I think it comes good by nature. Now, obviously, in the second one, things are slightly different, obviously. And I've, I, I've only ever seen that a few... I haven't seen it for a few years. I've seen it a few times, but I haven't seen it for... So I couldn't sit here and defend him or, or say I agree with you. But it's like I went back and watched Ferris Bueller. You know, Matthew Broderick, I, I'm not exaggerating. I've seen that film about 100 times. I had it on... Uh, video, I wore it out. I've got special edition, Bueller edition on double DVD, everything. I watched it and I was like, he's just a bit of a dick, really. You know, even though you watch it now, I just, I don't get it like I did when I was a kid. And I love that movie. Pretty much what's happening here. But you can't have a main character who is so sleazy and just, just absolutely just, I mean, it's, it's his sort of, I don't give a shit attitude in it all the way through. That's that's the whole Peter Venkman well, thing. Is he's, he's anti-establishment. Yeah. Everything. You think you're thinking Peter Venkman. See, I'm thinking Bill Murray. Because I think the other thing as well to highlight is that this film, while scripted, is about 80% ad-libbed. And everything that you're saying comes up in early Bill Murray films. Stripes, um, if you, you know, some of the, that humour, Caddyshack a little bit. Um, those films that he did, I mean, you know, that's Bill Murray humor. Like he thinks that's hilarious. Like being making you feel uncomfortable and being quick is is sort of what he did. It's part of his SNL thing as well. So the other thing I'll say is, you know, you're talking about Ghostbusters, but let's talk about other films. I mean, there's a film that came out just a couple of years before with a character called Beauty, um, and in that film, Beauty, played by uh, Farrah Fawcett, is drugged. Don't you dare! You um, he's, oh, he's coming. When she comes round, when she oh, comes no. round. She's been kidnapped by two oh, racers. Just... And her accusation is, she's like, oh, that's unexpected. I was expecting to be gang raped. Right. To say, and, and when they say, their, their response is, we're not rapers, we're racers. <laughs> uh, that, you know, th- this is the kind of thing that went, th- these are jokes that came up. In, that's Cannonball Run from 1981, by the way. Um, so that's Burt Reynolds. Right, hang on, hang on. Um, I object here, Your Honour. I object. No, no, no. We're not defending that film. I'm just making a point that, you know, Drug use to sedate a woman. It's not. It's not only in Ghostbusters. That's my point. <laughs> Your Honour, can you just interject here? Scott has come in with one of the lowest blows, and I've got to give him full credit for going in <laughs> on one of my heroes, Burt Reynolds. As a look at my Smokey and the Bandit collection of various Blu-rays and DVDs, the Cannonball Run. I have two copies of it to my left, right next to my Burt Reynolds collection. <laughs> To say I'm wounded by what you've just done, Scott, is an understatement. You've absolutely <laughs> done me. I, I have nothing. I, I need to compose myself. What you've just done to Bert there—that's absolutely. But that's but that's my but my point is it's about you know these things happen. I, I will say that my defense of Bill is it's Bill Murray humor. It's what he does, but also the character. There's a point there to his arc. You also mentioned about I mentioned about the uh, the special effects. What thing? I'll, one of the things I'll throw into this is. Um, Ghostbusters had been around for a while. It had been written in sort of, I think, the sort of late 70s, early 80s. As I said, Dan Aykroyd had written it, uh, was intended to be with, with John Belushi. It had gone through the, all these iterations, and everyone could say it was unfilmable. It was just too much of a big budget, and no one really got it. And it was then when Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman came on board that they brought it back down, made it grounded and all this other stuff. And they eventually started shipping it out. It was greenlit in April 1983, with a budget of thirty million, um, to be as long as it was ready to go out in June, nineteen eighty four, that gave them just over a year. And by the time they sort of got everything ready, finished the script, got everything sort of set up, they had ten months for filming and special effects. And some of the effects they wanted to do weren't even possible when they started this film. So 
you know, you get, yeah, you get the man in the suit, which is the staple of Marshmallow Man, iconic, you know, but then you get Slimer, also sort of this projection of man in, you know, it's a guy in a suit, special, uh, some of the effects, and that is great, iconic. Um, even sort of uh, the terror dogs, you know, the the um, Gozer uh, and uh, the the dogs yeah. and everything like that, like all of that, the stop motion, it to me, it looks great. Um, but this, I think, comes into something else I wanted to mention. Is you talk about uh, Bill Murray, or at least Doctor Venkman, uh, Peter Venkman. One of the things I think this film has in abundance, uh, and one of the reasons I think it was so successful. In fact, to say so successful, it was the sixth. It was the sixth most successful film of all time as of nineteen eighty four. And the most successful comedy of all time, up until it was replaced by Home Alone in, in 1990. Um, so, you know, some people liked it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'll say is, in fact, I'll say it had a budget of 30 million. It made 300 million in the box office internationally. So, you know, 10 times its budget back says a lot. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is it, this film has charm in abundance. Absolute charm. And to me, the fact that, that that's one of the things that Bill Murray does. He can take a fundamentally unlikable character. And actually, we you've admitted it, I've admitted it, and Dan, I'm sure mm. you'll probably admit it as well. We all liked Peter Venkman as kids. Yeah, definitely. He has a char- he has a charm. You can't deny he that. Can ca- he can't you know? lead the uh, lead the judge. He's been impartial. <laughs> no, but I'm saying I'm trying to make a point. I I I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I re- pull back that point. Whatever you say. Um, I rescind that point. But the point being, he does have charm. This film is is filled with charm, and um, it's the fact that it's the chemistry. You I mean you get you focus on Bill Murray and Peter Venkman, but to me, this film dro- is thrives on chemistry. The chemistry between Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, um, and then then again, sort of like Bill Murray and uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver. Um, it, it's just brilliant. That's what. That's one of the things that brings me back to this film. That's where the warm, fuzzy feeling for this film is. Just the charm. I'll leave it of to you. Of course. First. Thank you, uh, Scott. And now, now, what I would say is, you keep saying, I am focusing on Venkman because that is my whole you know, that's my whole bit, the prosecution. That's that's what I'm aiming it at because I just can't get past it, Scott. You know, it, his whole arc in this movie is quite a terrible one when you're looking at it now. In 1984, when it came out, he, like I say, he was a hero. I absolutely loved the character. I thought he was a smart ass. Mm. He's a great guy. But, you know, you evolve as a person. I'm 41 now. You know, 30 years later, I'm like, this isn't, you know, he's just not fun as I thought he was. It's not fun watching it and and i think i think you made some great points there and, and the fact that it made a lot of money perfect a lot of people our age went to the cinemas i i even had the figures scott you know we even had xo one and that we had all of it so i'm not coming from a position of i've never liked the film i've loved it but however as i've got older i've matured i've seen the error of my ways i've looked at venkman and said you know what he's not a nice guy and the arc for the whole Ghostbusters movies centers around pretty much Peter Venkman. He's probably, I'd say out of all four of them, he's at least 40% yeah. of that movie and the rest of them. Then you may get Ray 20% or whatever. They're all supporting characters for Bill Murray. And Bill Murray for me is, is the guy who drives the whole movie. Cause when he's on the screen, he, he's not chewing the scenery up by far. He's not doing that. Cause there is a couple of funny bits in the movie. And and it's the smart ass wise you know wisecrack side of it, but that whole thing with me, and that's what I'm concentrating on, is because I can't get away from just what a sl- as you say, 
scumbag, slime ball, whatever he is. And in this day and age, my my whole um, prosecution against this Scott is not necessarily that it was a bad movie in 1984, but it's a bad movie in 2020. And for me, I, again, I still I can't I can't support that at all. I mean, again, like you know, let, let's look at other characters that are clearly scumbags. In fact. <laughs> I, I was reading an article ju- literally just this morning about um, uh, f- set the most some of the most sexist films in the last ten years, and one of the ones that came up, I think it was it was either Skyfall or one of the most recent Bond films. There's a character in that where Bond basically sort of finds out that she's been you know she was she's been uh, taken into sex trafficking and then you know uh, by this sort of assassin or whatever husband she's he's dead, and then that night he turns up at her apartment and basically sort of like seduces her in the shower and you think well you go yeah james bond's a real scumbag but we've watched but we've watched an absolute but he is i mean james bond is is virtually a psychopath let's not let's not mince words about this like he's he's you know especially the sort of um he's a super spy jerry uh, trivia back to the connor the connor he is yeah now now no, no, no! Listen to me. Did some of the blows that, but you said we you know nothing below the belt here. Now, Mister Belgrave, yeah. you're right, honourable Mister Belgrave. <laughs> Scott is pulling him out of the bag. All characters that I love: James Bond, <laughs> Burt Reynolds. This is not. But this this is, but, 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 but Bond isn't. Bond isn't a but, surprise. It's not. That's not. No. Fair, that's not, even Ian Fleming hey, has said like that. He was. He's supposed to be. A Sean Connery guy. gives some of the women a slap in, the, in some of the original movies, which you know you see yeah. now, and you're like, oh my word. However. We're not here to talk about Mr. James Bond. No, but my point is, but my point is, these, yeah, yes, Ghostbusters is a comedy. It's, you know, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, you are focusing on a single character who, you know, I think it's more, I, I would project and say that you are disappointed because there was a character that you admired in your youth that is no, you know, now you look and go, oh, he's not as admirable. In fact, I think he's a bit of a scumbag. But you, you know, you you're forgetting that these still characters. Although it's a comedy and a, a sci-fi horror, it's still supposed to be human. I mean, the fact that, like, you know, in all of this, he is still heroic. Again, like he's, you know, he is. He steps up. He puts himself in danger, uh, taking on the supernatural, and you know, in order to save Dana Barrow, like he, you know, he does. I think there is redemption in this story. But again, I think you sort of you're forgetting. We've all got friends that we probably don't want our wives or our other friends to meet. You know what I mean? There's always yeah. someone. I would say that, that that's what Venkman is. You know, he's one of those friends you're a bit like, yeah, I, I, he's fun to hang out with. He's a bit of a slacker. He's a bit of a sleaze. But, you know, I wouldn't introduce him to my mum. But when you look at like, the the thing is, again, I'll go back to this thing around charm. Some of my favourite scenes in this film are just those moments of chemistry the very first time they see a ghost they see the library ghost uh, at the start of the film and they turn around the corner and go there it is and they see it and, and and bill murray's like so so what do we do what do we do now and you can just see like he just has that moment of like you know well he knows exactly where those guys are like they haven't thought that far ahead because all they want to do is get to the encounter you know and then he's he's the one that's sent out to talk to it like they work as a team, and it happens later on again. Like one of my favourite things in this film, um, and it comes to suppose with a bit of meta knowledge, when they pull up to Dana Barrett's apartment building at the end, and there's all the crowd there, you know, Ghostbusters, 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 chanting away, and Bill, Murray, you know, Bill Venkman comes out and he starts sort of like introducing them, and he sort of like you know introduces like uh, Doctor Race Dance, the heart of the Ghostbusters. And it's all that kind of stuff. Like he's bigging these guys up. He's giving them the confidence to sort of let's go and do this. 
Uh, and when the when the you know the ground shakes and and the, uh, Goza tries to disrupt them and sort of they come out there, they get sucked into the hole and they come out. And he's like, you know, we're prepared for that. We can take this on. Come on! And he's the one that's geeing them up. Like he's he has he's stepped up. He's taken a leadership role in this thing to get these guys over the line to save the world. Technically, I mean, you know, if uh, the destructor arrives and they don't stop it, it's you know, it doesn't have it shouldn't shouldn't have to be a marshmallow man. It could be anything. Yes, so you, you know the point. Of this film is, if anyway, this to me is a how actually someone who is sleazy and can be a bit of a con man and probably isn't the most honest of all is actually gonna step into a leadership role to save his friends, to save the woman he loves, to save the world. He's the one at the end that sort of like you know this chick is toast, but like he's the one who's taken her on. He's taken that leadership role. Um, so from a from a I must say I wouldn't say it's, it's a me too thing or anything. From a sort of the yes. The sexual politics or the the sexism politics of this film don't age well, and I, I totally accept that. But then, you know, I could say that about half the films that came out before nineteen ninety. If I'll probably say more than half. So yeah. to say that we're going to start writing off, you could start writing off. Um, let's think. Um, ooh, back to the Back to the Future. The whole ending about Biff. Why the hell is Biff not in prison? Um, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Beverly Hills Cop One, you know, or Beverly Beverly Hills Cop Two, actually. Beverly Hills Cop Two. Uh, Eddie Murphy's Axel Foley steals somebody's house and lives there for two weeks. This is horrendous. He's a cop. Your Honor. Yeah. I'm not. So you, you're you're focusing on a co- a character who steps up and does all these horrible things. <laughs> Yet you, you know you can't do that without looking at the context of all the other films that exist. No, no. So you're focusing on a single character, <laughs> but I'm saying. That he exists in a wider you know, spectrum. I'm sorry, I'm going to jump across right. here on a. I need a cricket <laughs> box on here because he's mentioning all some of my favourite films. <laughs> Axel Foley, Beverly Hills. Yeah. I love them too. Yeah, but Chris, I love them too. But, but, I've you know I've got all the blue. But we're not all. talking about them right. today, Scott. Now, what I'm going to say. Thank you, Your Honour. By the way, sorry. No, no problem. Say. I was just going to say, like, I witness your passion, Scott. But we need to keep it relevant here. We're here to talk about Ghostbusters. But yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. I feel like I've been verbally punched. You know, I'm, I'm recovering here. The, the amount of, he's, he's wheeled off Burt Reynolds, James Bond. Uh, we've gone, we've gone for Eddie Murphy, Axel Foley. We've even gone for Marty McFly and Biff Tannen. You know, it's like, can he get any worse? He, he just needs to throw in there. Like, you know, what, what can I say? Well, you just go for smoking the bandit. It's all over, isn't it? Really? I'd never do that, Chris. I'd never do that. Oh, thank you. I, I know there's, a, I know there's a line. <laughs> You're not far off, though, Scott. But anyway. <laughs> what I would say, you've you actually talked yourself into an argument here, Scott. Now, so you say about Venkman, and you know, my whole uh, argument is that he's a scumbag, he's a sexual predator, he should never be the lead in a film as important as this. He was. It's of his time, you're right. I, I totally agree. As we get older, we all change. And maybe even Bill Murray would look back on this and go, you know I mean? He might not. He, he might see it for what it is. It was his character. He created Peter Venkman. As much as the writing and that was who this character was, he created that person. It made him the star that he is today. He's, he's like um, acting royalty, isn't he? If you get um, mm-hmm. Bill Murray in a movie, you're great. And like I say, I love Groundhog Day. It's one of my favourite. I love that movie so much. So it's a great movie. But what I would say is everything you've talked about, so you've talked about, you know, he's a bit of a sleaze, 
Um, you know, he, he isn't a nice guy. He's a scumbag. We've heard that plenty of times today, Your Honor. I hope you're making that down because yeah, the defense yeah. has actually called the, the person or the film defendant a scumbag. Um, but what I would say, Scott, you're saying about it mirroring a lot of films. And you say that, you know, he saves the world and saves America and everything. And, you know, he can redeem himself because he is a sexual deviant. Are we not talking about? Deviant. Are we not talking? Are we not talking? Just, just response. Like I'll let you reply. Um, no, no. Are we not talking about Peter Venkman here or Donald Trump? Because there's so many. Oh, 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 here. oh I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. Oh, Mr. Phelps. I think. I think. Yeah, this is different to someone who is basically a fascist leader at this point. I'm, I'm not taking that. No, that is ridiculous. Well. All I'm saying is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna boil this down. To, I'm, I'm gonna. Is it, that's your shot back, isn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Come on, you Ooh, two, keep that, it relevant. That cannonball flew straight across. I felt that one. Oh. I'm still getting palpitations. Sorry, Your Honour. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right I'm deducting ten points from the two of you. All right, there we go. Yeah, I think, I think the thing is, this comes down. Your argument rests on a single thing. And I think what I'm trying to, I'm trying to point out is you, you're focusing on a, okay, the point of why I've said about the whole context. Now, Judge, I, I appreciate what you're saying. We are focusing on Ghostbusters. But again, I think sometimes if, if your argument is this one character, like you, you're, you're taking that one character in, in singularity. And let's be honest, he didn't exist in singularity. Um, but the point is, well, even within the film, like, you know, he, do, he does all these things. I'm going to say my argument back is for me, when I was a kid, Peter Venkman was a bit like Mouth is in the in Goonies. Like he's the cool character. He's the one that you go, yeah, he's cool. You know, he's sort of he's quick witted. He's got a quick mouth. He's a smart Alec. Da, da, da. And as you grow up, you go, yeah, the sides to him, you probably <clears throat> I wouldn't leave him with my sister. You know, kind of thing. Um, but the point, the fact of the matter is, like, why would every if every character is um, clean cut and respectable and that sort of thing, then they're boring to me. Like I, I actually find I find that Peter Venkman is actually an interesting character because he's not, you know, he's not like one dimensional. He's got different dimensions. He's clearly got problems, and so you go, oh, he's actually an interesting character. But he's got charm, and that's part of the thing about all this. I can't come back to the fact that I love this film. Not I love this film, and I think this is a good film, but despite the fact that there are certain parts of its sexual politics that haven't aged well. You know, you, you go back and you say, <clears throat> this film's perfectly paced. It's got a great pacing. Like, you know, it's almost like textbook in its pacing. The special effects, I think, have held up in the, for the most part. I think that some of the matte paintings that were done in it are spectacular. There's a couple of bits at the end where, like, even some of the sets wobble and you're a bit like, well, that's not great. But that's just because of the, that's just the budget and time things. But you also, you, this film generated some of the, like, one of the most iconic vehicles of the 80s. Um, you know, this film created one of the most iconic logos ever. Um, the theme song, you know, just to say, all, I mean, who hasn't been to a Halloween party or even like a wedding or a bar party where you haven't heard Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters theme? You know, you're focusing on this one thing, and for you, it doesn't work. Okay, you're saying this one character who I think you are massively overblowing because you are projecting something here, Chris. I'm a bit concerned of, of you know, where your head's at, mate. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but, probably right. You're, reading, you're probably right. You're reading, to turn, you know, the, the opening thing of he tries his luck with a co-ed, and you know, to be fair, right? She's, you know, she is, uh, she is very attractive, and she's, but she's younger than him at the time. Um, is uncalled for, right? But even this whole thing, you you come back to this thing about the Thorazine, 
But again, you are projecting that he brought it with him, but he needed to do it. She was possessed. Like she's literally trying to attack him. And there's a great moment that when she levitates up, uh, she rotates around a great scene again, all done with practical effects. He looks out, he looks at, at her and she, he says to her like with legitimate sort of like uh, fear and sorrow. He says, oh, come down. Like he, he's almost like, like he doesn't know what to do with himself. And then she lashes out at him and growls at him wonderfully. And you see like legit fear in his face. Like he's like, oh shit, this is, this is real. This isn't just sort of like her trying to be sort of like, you know, this isn't some sort of kink from a, some sort of, you know, what classical musicians do. Um, and so, you know, you again, you are, you are assuming certain things. And I think elevating this thing of him being a sex pest, it comes up a couple of times in the film. And yeah, he's probably, you know, even Dana Barrett calls it out and says, you're more like a game show host. And as you've said, there's some dodgy game show hosts. But you're looking at him, in, he's the, a single part of a, ma- of a much, much bigger film. Um, that to me has stood the test of time. But you watch this and sort of, I watch this with my wife. My wife hasn't watched this for years. And I said to her, like, watch out for anything that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Nothing. She she enjoyed that. She thought the ghosts were fun. She thought the action was pretty good. Um, she even commented on like, you know, yeah, Ecto-1's actually pretty cool. So I think you know, if, if a woman who, who's the same age as me, you know, in a, in a, I won't say her age, but a woman <laughs> who watches film in 2020 and can look past certain elements of the Bill Murray character and actually say to me, ah, yeah, it's quite good, actually. Not so much, I see what you love it, but I can look, you know, I can enjoy it. Um, I think, you know, you are focusing on one part of something that actually as a whole stands up. Like, I would still, I would I would give this film to watch, for kids to watch today, not kids today, but like, you know, an 89-year-old, I would say, go watch Ghostbusters. Now, it's excellent. You bought, people do, and people ha, ha, and people do take them against okay, the cinema. Okay. Out in the cinema. I, I I take everything on board you said, Scott. Now, obviously, you said I concentrate on Venkman too much. Obviously, part of your defense is concentrating on characters in other movies. I know you're trying to paint a picture, but it has been a low blow. The the people you've picked out in particular. <laughs> However, what I would say is, you've just said there. You know, maybe a kid eight nine years old. What would you say if an eight or nine year old child came to you and said, "What's three hundred cc's of for me, Dad?" What? I'd say it's a sedative. You use the sedative to put it to sleep. <laughs> I don't think. I don't. I don't think that's a it's problem. I honestly don't think. Yeah, I would know. I would say. Oh, it's, it, it's actually it's a drug, and he's put her to sleep because she was possessed, and she, you know he was he was protecting himself and her. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. In fact, I, yeah. <laughs> You did well, there, Scott, answering that one very quickly, yeah. very quickly. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. I, I'll, I'll take on board that. So if I, if I move away from Venkman, which, you know, I, I, I'm still saying it ruins the whole movie for me, that whole pivot mm-hmm. of his character. I don't think he has a redemption in any other movie. And at the end, I still find it ridiculous that they all come out and even Dana gets a round of applause. Nobody knows who know who she is, but she comes out <laughs> like she, you know her and she's a celebrity. She's just been wanting to kill everybody with a, a big massive dogs on top of the building. But she comes out like she's won the FA Cup and stuff and giving it the whole nine yards and that. That's still nonsense. And they come out like it's a rock concert and that Fair enough, you know, they've redeemed themselves, the Ghostbusters, they got closed. I mean, they get closed down by the reporter out of Die Hard, don't they? You know, at the end of the day, he was, he was an arse. He always plays a good character in. Um, now, mm. I don't think I've really got much more to say, Scott, because I think you have sort of systematically put Peter Venkman in a casket and you've nailed loads of nails in and it's gone round and round the casket and you just called him all sorts of names under the sun and when you've got a lead character like that who for me is not redeemable 
I don't have to say anymore. You know, but, you, but you're saying, but you're saying, but there's your key point, Chris. For you, and that's more about your politics and your perspective. Like you're saying, for you, that's irre- he's not redeemable. But again, like for me, he is. But you've not, you've not. For me, you've not given me anything that says he's irredeemable. But I don't think I've... what you've said to me. <laughs> But you've told me he's a sex pest. But, but, you, that's your perspective. But, 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 but he hasn't. But, and I'm sure your honour will say this, Scott. Um, sorry to cut across you there, but um, you have said over and over that he's a scumbag. And I think, you know, yeah, my, my, the references and that's fine. You know, you, you've done a lot of talking to that. And I take about everything you said and I respect that. You know that, you know, I, I respect your opinion on a lot of things. But I think it's almost like I've seen a balloon go up into the air. And it's full of hot air, Scott. And it's just fell. Your whole argument has fell tonight for me. It's just been. It's just been. No, no. I see. Because the thing is, Chris, your argument again. I'm going to come back to this point of like, you're looking at one one character in a in a in a that suppose if they were all the same and they were all good guys, like they'd be they'd be bland. There'd be nothing to them. In fact, that's what Dan Aykroyd originally wrote. They were all supposed to be heroic. Uh, blue collar workers and it was actually Ivan Reitman that was like they're all really boring you know, he was the one that said like you, you, your comedy's fine and the, the, the ideas are good you know but the characters are terrible it was Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis that came in and really sort of put this together and they actually say like yeah when this was together the characters were indistinguishable they had to be made different to make them interesting and I think you know you're saying He's a, and I'll admit, like the character of Peter Venkman is supposed to be the one that's a bit unlikable and a bit of a scumbag and a bit of a sleaze. He's supposed to be that. And as a kid, yeah, you may have interpreted it in one way because he's a smart aleck and he's the fast mouth and that sort of thing. But the pattern is, he's supposed to be that, and he has a redemption because at the end of the film, he is leading them, and he has actually been willing to sacrifice himself for someone else, and that's a step up for Peter Venkman. So I, I don't know. In, in my view, I think you are focusing on a single point in a, in a film. You're wrong as well. Saying that, you know, <laughs> your argument is just a single like, one dimension. It's, it's almost like taking a book, right? What you're doing is taking a book. You've gone to the middle pages and gone, I don't like page 80. Page 80 is rubbish. This book is terrible. All copies should be shredded. Makes no sense. But, but it makes no sense at all. But also, if you if we take it the other way, if we took Peter Venkman out of the movie, it'd still it'd be, be a, it'd still be a bad movie. What? Take Peter. So what? What else is bad about it then? You, you all you've hinged on is Peter Venkman. There's no way that Dan Aykroyd could carry this movie. Like in the Blues Brothers, one of my favourite movies, he could never have carried it as Elwood. John Belushi's the man, no. and, and Peter Venkman's the guy who carries this whole movie from smart ass comments to everything. But all right, let, but you've no, 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 take, take Peter Venkman out, right? Replace him with a with a white bread sort of uh, good, whiter than white hero. Okay, well, Burt Reynolds. What? I'm not, I can't see him as a white, whiter than white blue blue collar hero. But okay, I'm joking. It was, I'm joking. It, so, so they were going to get John Belushi or say a John Candy. John Candy could probably could have done what? this role. Well, no, John Candy was going to be. Gonna he was be, gonna play Louis, yeah, he was Rick Moranis, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he wanted to do German, a German, a German, accent, with German shepherds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. But uh, no, just say John um, Candy because he was current at the time. John Candy's a great comedy mm. actor. Chevy Chase. No, let's say Chevy Chase. Yeah, because he was riding high at the same time. Yes. You know, he'd obviously done Caddyshack and, and a bunch of others. So you could have had Chevy Chase in this, right? Are you, are you saying that Chevy, I mean, Chevy Chase was probably on par with Bill Murray in many ways? Yes. Do you think it would have been a different film? Now, 
when I watch National Lampoons, I always thought Chrissy Brinkley in the Ferrari, unbelievable. When you look look at it now, you think National Lampoons. Uh, well, the the uh, summer, summer vacation where they go to Wally World and then oh, vacation, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, National Lampoons, okay. yeah, yeah. And you think I used to think it was great. You think, oh, she's stunning. You know, if he gets in with her, brilliant. <laughs> Watching it now, and we've we've reviewed some of them. I'm like. He's a bit of a scumbag, really, to his wife, isn't he? You know, he's basically trying to get his leg over with Christy Brinkley. What's it, Griswold? Yeah, yeah, Clark Griswold. Every time there's always a girl he's trying to get in with, and his missus is always, like, just there in the background taking all these pelters <laughs> from this clown. So I think he would have probably done the same job, to be honest. It's probably more to do with the writing. But, yeah, I don't know what – I know, I don't think I can say anymore, Scott. I think you've put up a great defence. Um, I think it's got more holes in it than United's back four, but, you know, oh. I, I can oh. – Hey, don't you talk about United? <laughs> <laughs> all I'm hearing, all I'm hearing, is you are trying to sink an entire film and the entire sort of franchise based on your dislike of one character because he's actually been portrayed in a relatively interesting way. That you know, to me, yeah, some of it doesn't play well, but you, you know, it, it actually makes him more to me more interesting, more depth. It's got more depth to him than some of the other sort of characters in the film or even in other franchises. So, yeah, you know, yeah, he's not a good guy in all, in the, in the typical sense, but in, to me, he's still heroic in that he stands up and, you know, to be counted, puts his head above the parapet. Like, you know, it's, um, that's what counts really at the end of the day. Okay. Okay. I mean, I... that's my, that's my defense. I could go on about all the other things. I mean, you know, if, if I've got, are we doing closing statements? Yes, we are. Yes. So your honor, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to go for my closing statement. If that's okay. Okay. Well, Mr. Phelps, come forth and uh, deliver your closing statement. And I just want to say thank you very much for being fair today. You're right, Honourable Mr. Belgrave. I do appreciate everything you've done today for us. So um, as we go into this, um, what I would say is, you know, Scott has made some great arguments. I'm still reeling from some of the films he's absolutely low-blowed me on, knowing full well of the podcasts we've done and my love for some of these movies. He's absolutely done his homework, and I do applaud him for that. I've got to say, it knocked me for six when you went in on them, Scott. As soon as you started saying beauty, I knew exactly where you were going, my friend, so I've got to give you... Do you want some aloe vera for them, Burns? Yeah, I'm telling you. And I told you, I need to check. I mean, luckily, my daughter's 20, but there's no way these bollocks could take another kid now because he's just keeping writing them with some of this tonight. Um, but however, you're right, Scott. I've had to concentrate on Peter Venkman because I think the film falls down when the main character is a sexual deviant. And I'm going to use that again. I've compared him to Donald Trump. I've compared him to, you know, he has a story arc. I don't believe that he redeems himself. I think the team redeems himself. Then he comes around at the end. And obviously it is of its time. It's 35, 36 years old now. Things change. The world's changed, thankfully. And it's in a better place. 84 to about, well, even up to, say, the last couple of years. I've not seen, I've not watched Ghostbusters for at least 10 years. I still regard it as a cracking 80s movie. We went back and watched Trading Places, me and Dave, on the VHS Strikes Back. And I genuinely thought I'd hate it, and I really, really enjoyed it. I think that's aged quite well. I've received Dan Aykroyd again. Um, trading is that Trading Places? Trading Places, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah Eddie Murphy, yeah, yeah, great film. And, and we did it last last Christmas, and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought I'd hate it because I used to think it was one of Eddie Murphy's weakest films. Because I love Eddie Murphy, but it was actually really, really enjoyable. And that stands up for me. I say personally. And I think a lot of people who watch it now, and I've read plenty of uh, 
actual proper articles from reputable um, outlets about Bill Murray's character saying how it doesn't age well. And I, I don't, don't get me started on the 2016 Ghostbusters because I think that was just <laughs> a disgrace of a film. Um, I really do. But that's a, a completely separate argument. Um, but I will say that you can't have a lead character with so many faults. You can do it if they're redeemable, but not when you are a Jimmy Savlon and you're basically there after anything, you can, any tale you can get. That is, if, And you're right, Scott, James Bond has learned his lesson. It's a, a character that I've loved for years and I understand that you know he's a male chauvinist and things like that, but we're not talking about James Bond today. We're talking, talking about Mr. Peter Venkman, PhD, MFI, whatever he is, DPD, he's, he's all these different things he's got. I respect Bill Murray. I respect where the film was and it and where it is. But for me, the movie does not stand up. And I would love, as an experiment, the guys from Comics in Motion and the whole uh, group we have together, if they watched it and felt like that. And that, that, for me, is where the argument finishes. In 2020, this film is terrible. And I rest my case. Okay. okay. Thank you, Chris. Oh, yeah, thank thank you, Judge. Um, firstly, I say you know you, you say this film is terrible, and, and all you've said to me so far is one single character. You dislike the the actions of one single character. So, what I will say is with Doctor Venkman and the portrayal of him is, um, yeah, you're right in in many ways. You know, some of the some of his actions in this film haven't aged well. He is a, he is sleazy. He, can't, he is a bit of a scumbag. But my argument is, again, he is supposed to be that character. Like he clearly has like ridden the coattails of his friends. But this film is his redemption. By the end of this film, instead of being the one that sort of is looking to um, shirk responsibility, the one that is looking for the easy way to do things, by the end of this film, he is stood front and center of the Ghostbusters. He stands in front of a, a crowd. He, you know, and he helps. He gets them jeered up. He's the one that gets the sort of the actual other, the other three of them uh, ready to take on Goza. They take on an interdimensional being, and he stands at the forefront of that, only because that he has gone through a rede redemption arc for another person, not just for his friends that stand side by side with him. But also for the woman he actually has fallen in love with, and much, and not just one of the things we should say, and this sounds horrible for the character at the beginning of the film, not just a college bimbo that he's trying to crack onto, but a classically trained, highly educated musician. And so it's not that he's he's, he's actually looking to grow up. This film is is Bill Murray or Doctor Venkman growing up, and by the film of it, he is you know he's willing to sacrifice himself. At the end of this film, when they beat Goza. Both of the terror dogs are destroyed and you see them burnt up and you see genuine remorse and grief because Venkman thinks he has lost uh, Dana Barrett. You know, the, the Bill Murray, or the Venkman you see at the start of the film probably wouldn't feel that way, but he changes, he grows, he becomes a much better person throughout this film. Um, but again, like that's that's how I've always taken it. So to me, I think this is a redemptive story. But more than that, you're focused on in a single character in, in an ensemble piece. This film is, is sort of, to me, is brilliant from top to bottom in many ways. I think that, you know, the musical score, the, the musical sort of, just the, the actual uh, soundtrack, the special effects for the most part stand up and are groundbreaking for the time. Uh, the acting, the ad-libbing, the, the casting, the costuming, the design of the vehicles and the gadgets, all iconic 
Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, iconic. Ecto-1, iconic. Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., iconic. Um, and so I do think that when you got, you, you have seen these articles that have criticised a single piece of this film, however, I could lead you to two Kickstarter-funded documentaries that last over a couple of hours where people have put their own passion and time into uh, making of documentaries for this. One of the best ones is called Cleaning Up the Town. I've got, I, I own it. I own the Blu-ray of it. I'm going to a Ghostbusters convention next year, the first one to be held in the UK. There are, there are people across the world called ghost heads who have done cosplay, who do the vehicles. Who have been, people love this film, and they love it for a reason, because it is funny, it contains charm, and it has got you know a great cast. To focus in on a single thing in this film, to focus in on a single character, is to, be a, to um, downplay and you know, every other wonderful aspect of this film that kicked off a massive franchise. And so I'm just going to finish with one thing to say. There are some things in this world that go way beyond human understanding. Things that cannot be explained. Things that most people don't want to know about. That's where they come in. What I'm saying is, shit happens, someone has to deal with it, and who you're going to call. Oh. Oh. That was good. That was good. (laughs) It's over to you, Your Honour. Coming up, the judge returns with the verb. Ah, Thomas, ah, try. Well, well, what can I say? Um, yeah, I, I'm probably going to give my two cents on it as well. Um, I mean, you guys have brought up some good points. Um, first off, Peter Venkman. Um, now, just like you guys, when you watch like the the animated series, he's like like you guys said, he's like he's the loudmouth, he's the mouthpiece, he's you know he's very sarcastic. And then you watch the movie itself. Now, when I was a kid, when I watched the movie itself, I didn't notice all of these things. It wasn't until I watched it a couple of days back because, like I said, I, I needed to prepare myself and watch this. I actually watched it again today. Um, watching him like trying to put the moves on a, on a college student. I thought that was actually kind of creepy. <laughs> um, but, you know, as the movie goes on, like Scott, you said, you know, as the movie goes on, he does redeem himself as the movie goes on. And I think with this whole thing, Bill Murray does not a movie make. Um and as I watched the movie, as, as the movie went on, all these different characters come in, like Winston, you got Ray, you got everyone. And, and you kind of, how can I put it? You resonate with each character and, you know, it makes you kind of revert back to when you watched it the first time, probably when you were a kid. Um, and that's pretty much what it done for, what it's done for me. Um, from like you said earlier, Scott, with like the sounds of the proton packs to the sirens on the car, um, even just seeing the the emblem for, for for Ghostbusters, it makes you feel a bit nostalgic and you revert back to when you were a kid, which is what it done for me. So, having said that, I'm uh, my verdict is uh, for the defence, Mister Scott Weatherly. Thank you, Your Honour. No problem at all. Chris Phelps, you brought up some good points. 
like I said, well, what, um, one one point. But, let's be honest. But one you, point. Did, you did, <laughs> yeah, like you did. You did revert to back to the one point of um, Mr. Venkman being a sex pest, um, and the whole like giving her three hundred cc's or whatever, which was a bit was a bit strong. But like, I can see where you're coming from. If this was made, if this film was made in this day and age, yes, there would be a lot of raised eyebrows, probably a protest here and there. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, Bill um, Peter Venkman does not a movie make. Excellent, thank you, Your Honor. I appreciate your words, and I, I um, wholeheartedly support them. <laughs> well, as we speak, gentlemen, and um, I'm actually on a website called lawsociety.org.uk about handling complaints. (laughs) Now, I don't think this has been handled in the correct manner. I think Scott has talked a lot. You've actually put so many little nuggets in the way of the judge tonight that there is no other way that the Right Honourable Mr. Belgrave could actually favour myself. I think the film still falls down, but I will accept the defeat in the manner that it is. But Scott, I will say to you, I never want you to ever disparage or call Burt Reynolds ever again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. It's like, yeah. mock me if you must, but don't you ever speak ill of Burt Reynolds. Say, when, I was doing, when, I was, when I was doing the research on that, there was a part of me that I legitimately thought, is this too far? <laughs> no, is it, Eric? I loved it. I, I know we haven't finished yet, but I've got to say, Scott, he won me over straight away because my whole argument fell apart. And I just kept going back and I said, for Donald Trump, let's throw anything. I was trying anything to win. And you could tell there, but it was a brilliant, um, that was a good bit of thing. And you know me, Scott, you could say anything. I'd never offend you. I just think it's great that we, we stayed in character, gentlemen. So thank you. And, I did, and I'll hold my hands up here, Dan, and I will say that I think the best man won. And uh, you've got that on the recording, and it's going to stay in the recording because Scott, yeah. you were more than prepared, my friend. <laughs> now, again, as always, thank you very much, gentlemen. Right. I've really enjoyed this one. This was uh, this was I'll tell you what, this was the third time I've watched the film this year. So, um, yeah, any excuse to watch Ghostbusters? Oh, thank you, thank you, Dan. As well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Your Honor. An absolute pleasure. Uh, no, I've had uh, I've had an absolute ball. Um, it's good to actually meet you guys. This is yeah. like the first time I'm meeting yeah. you guys, so. It's been an absolute adventure. Um, nice low blow, Scott. <laughs> Mr. Phil. You well had me. It's uh, like, but, 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 sex pest. <laughs> as soon as you said beauty, I knew, I thought, oh my God, he's bringing in the cannonball on you, bastard. <laughs> that took me completely off the mark. So, anyway, just before we go, Dan, where can everybody get you about your fantastic show? Okay, so you can find me on the infinite Twitterverse uh, at dark underscore Ronin84. So dark underscore R-O-N-I-N 84. Um, you can also uh, find a lot of our stuff. Uh, I'm also on the, uh, sorry, excuse me, the Superheroes for Dummies podcast, which is under Comics in Motion. Um, you can find us also on Twitter also as at super for dummies so super the number four and dummies and um, you can also find us on instagram which is uh, superheroes for dummies 20 that's all one word so superheroes for dummies 20 thank you very much what about yourself scott uh, yeah you can find or find me on at scott weatherly on twitter but uh, find my other podcast is 20th century geek 
um, which is obviously on all the podcast catchers, and that's on Twitter at Twentieth Century Geek. And then also uh, my other podcast, Stories Out of Time and Space, the sci-fi movie review podcast, and we are on as at Pod Time Space. Thank you very much. And I'll just plug uh, one of our many pod, well, a couple of them. The VHS Strikes Back, which if you do want to get over there and listen to some reviews of some absolute classic 80s movies, which we don't slate that much. Well, we do actually, but um, get over there, guys. VHS Strikes Back, we go back anything from the video era. And then if you are into reality TV, we do another podcast, me and Dave, called CD Reality Cast, which is just absolute nonsense watching reality TV. But uh, yeah, that's just a ridiculous podcast, but we love doing it. So you're right, Honourable Mr. Bogger. We're going to lead it over to you to finish off the show. Thank you very much. So, thanks for listening to this week's Comics on Trial. Don't forget to vote the Twitter poll on at P. Let us know if you agree with the defence or the prosecution. If you want to get a hold of the show and suggest a topic for debate, please email us at comicsinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on any of the shows on the Comics in Motion network. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on your favourite podcast catcher. We'd really appreciate it. So, this is Scott Weatherly. Thank you. This is Chris Phelps. Thank you. And this is your judge, the one and only, the Dark Ronin, Dan. <laughs> I'm clapping now. next week <laughs> for another Comics and Motion trial. Comics and trial. Thank you very much, Your Honour. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chris. It's been an absolute blast, this one. Scott, you're a star, man. Thank you both. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs>